Welcome to Financial Education for the Nation. My name is Warren Shute and I'm here on this, I've got to say it, autumnal day. The seasons are changing. We talk about economic seasons and how things might be changing economically. Um, the weather's changing too. It feels a little bit autumnal out there. So um, it's nice. It was lovely. I went out for my walk this morning. My dog, Monty, uh, enjoyed ourselves, which was nice. But I had the coat on this morning. And it was only maybe a week, 10 days ago, I was walking in a t-shirt. So um, yeah, seasons are changing, but we're going to make the most of it. I'm here with the delightful smiley face, Paul, who's going to put a smile on everyone's face. How are you, Paul? Hello, good morning, Warren. I am good, thank you. How are you doing, apart from the lack of sun? I'm all right. Actually. Do you know what? It's, it's a really interesting one. You're right, I am solar paneled. I do get affected by that. But for me, it's brightness as opposed to sun. I know it sounds like a bit of a semantics, but when it's, I can see blue sky still in the, up there. And that's, that's fine for me. That's okay. And it's, it's, we're recording this on a Friday, so it's a work day. I don't like it too nice on a work day. Yesterday was a scorcher of a day. Uh, my kids and my wife and that went down to the lake and they were supboarding, having a great time. And I was in the office writing a report. So, um, yeah, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine. As much as I absolutely love what I do, I do prefer to work in the autumn and winter. So, as the old saying, you know, make hay now. You know, it's like autumn's coming, winter's coming. We can get ourselves down and really work hard so we come out the other end into the new year um, feeling fresh. So, we're, we're in the final stretch of the year aren't we we're in the final stretch of the year yeah and i think today we're going to be looking at something which may be able to give people a little bit of a boost heading into that that winter time um with the dreaded deadline of those three letters ppi approaching yeah and there's a few people talk about this and and i think we most closely associate it with nuisance phone calls from companies unsolicited just randomly ringing us um, but it is an important thing for a lot of people. It, do you know what, my wife, I'm a, I'm a culprit here, okay? My wife, Nikki, has been, um, I wouldn't say nagging me, but saying, hey, look, you really should um, do your PPI claim. I'm like, Nikki, Nikki, I'm a financial expert. I'm not going to have PPI. I've been doing this for these years. I'm never going to take it. Lo and behold, she did it for me back in 1993 or 94, before I even got in the business. PPI was added to one of my credit cards. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, so you know, she did that for me. So I share that you know, with you to say that even if you really don't think you've got it, just you know, have, a, have a, an inquiry. It will be worthwhile. You, even more so, if you don't think you've got it, it kind of implies that you wouldn't have taken out in the first place and therefore it was, was sold inappropriately to you. But um, I was even speaking to the head of PPI claims for a large bank, um, and she said to me that she had it, and she was shocked that she had it. So um, if it can affect us, hey, guys, maybe it could affect you as well. So, yeah, PPI, it's almost getting a bit like Brexit, isn't it? We've had enough of listening to those three letters. We've had enough of listening to Brexit. Um, but the deadline is approaching. As we're making this recording, it's just under two weeks away. So it's the 29th of August. So it's really much about get your skates on and pull your finger out and let's get this sorted. Okay, so how do we do just that then? What's the, what's the situation? Because as much as there are all these companies and this cottage industry that's growing up around it, we don't actually need them, do we? You don't. You don't need them. 
you can use them. I was on a radio interview yesterday or the day before, <clears throat> and the presenter was saying, I use this claims company, uh, and they only took 10%, and I just felt I abdicated or delegated that job role, and they're doing it. Hey, do you know what? I'm not saying don't use them. I'm saying you don't need to use them. When you use them, you give away a share of your claim. Uh, I think she said 10, most of 25%, a lot go to 50%. I think as the deadline approaches, they're going to become busier and busier. And this is a challenge that you're going to have. But as with everything I do in life, and it's maybe not everything, that'd be a little bit overstatement, but many things in life, especially projects, it's what's your outcome? Step one is what's your outcome? What do you want to achieve by this? And you might say, well, that's pointless saying that because we want to do a PPI claim. But open your mind, Lewis, sit back and say, well, yeah, I want to do a PPI claim for me. And my wife was saying that. She's, well, actually, I want to do a PPI claim for Warren because he's not going to do it. Um, actually, can I do a PPI claim for my parents? Can I do a PPI claim for Warren's parents? Is, is there anyone in the wider community or family base that you could help with this um, to you know, help them out? So when I say things like, you know, step one, start, what's your outcome? It sounds a bit flippant that oh, you're always bringing it back to the money plan. It's not. It's because it's a great strategy for making decisions. What does it look like when we finish? What am I trying to achieve? Um, so that's step one. Who are you going to make the PPI claim? Is it just for you? Are you going to tell your friends and things? Or are you going to do it for yourself and your family members um, to get things organized? And then step two, going back to the money plan, it's, it's just a strategy. It works. Get organized. It's so much easier when you approach any project being organized and efficient. So first of all, you need a list of all your addresses. Where did you used to live? Your, obviously your current address, your previous address. Go back as far as you can because you can go back some, some time on these things. Um, and then have a think, and this might take a bit of time, cup of tea, glass of wine, whatever your, your uh, tipple is, and have a think, what financial agreements have I taken out over that period of time? What credit cards, what store cards, what loans, what car finance, what is there that could be, what catalogs, what potential PPI insurance, uh, sorry, what finance agreements could potentially PPI insurance be attached to and make a list of those. Having this information before you go off and start inquiring and putting the complaining will make you feel a lot more organized and put it on a, a document, either write it out, type it up on a spreadsheet so you feel organized and you can track the progress through. Does that kind of make sense to you? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So yeah, definitely good idea to know what you're looking for um, before you, before you go off. So then once we've done that, what, what happens next? Where do we, well, how the, do we handle this? What, 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 before we jump ahead, then we've got to get our credit report because our credit report will show us the last six years. So what we've done there is we've, exhausted our mind we've put everything out on our minds okay this is what i think mentally that i had but now i've got my credit report i can go through and i can look at all the history and do you know what? if you're anything like me have a rummage around in your your folding system on your computer or in your filing system and have a look see if there's an old credit report there because sometimes when i've gone for a mortgage and bought a house i've got a credit report to see what finance agreements are, are out there so have a look at that as well see if there's anything else lying around which might take you back further than the six years that you'll get from a credit uh, agency now. And you've got the likes of Experian or Equifax. Um, I think ClearScore is another one. I'm kind of going off ClearScore a little bit because they keep selling loans to people who've, who apply for a credit card, uh, sorry, who have got a credit report. And I kind of think that's a little bit, a bit wrong, but um, that's off subject. Sorry, I won't go down there. Um, 
So get your credit report, and then you've got a good comprehensive list, and you've pretty much exhausted what you can of, of where things are. Now, step three is make an inquiry to see if you have PPI insurance on one of those financial agreements. Now, the challenge we've got is this, if you're listening to this fairly imminently, since it's recording, um, I would say that's the best way to go. So the easiest thing is to go into a, your search engine, Google or Bing or whoever you use, type in FCA for Financial Conduct Authority, PPI for Payment Protection Insurance, and hopefully up will come the FCA's website for Payment Protection Insurance. And have a look on there. You can type in the name of the uh, company you're with and they'll give you the contact details so you can then write to them. Or a lot of these companies will have an online form. So for example, a lot of the big banks are really geared up for providing you this information. So go to the FCA website, have a search, get the contact details for the financial institution you think you've got PPI with, and make an inquiry to say, have I got PPI on my policy? And typically you don't need account numbers and um, reference numbers. It does help, but you don't typically need that because if you've got the address that you were living at, if you've got your date of birth, quite often not these, um, particularly the bigger institutions, they're geared up for this. Now, some of them will give you a response almost instantaneously. So you'll get an email back or some kind of confirmation. Some of them you do need to write to and you need to wait for the response. And this is where the challenge comes. The challenge comes is that if you're writing off and you're going to wait for a response, your, this is only an inquiry at this stage. Your complaint must reach the institution before the end of play on the 29th of August. So if you're waiting for a response, then you could potentially miss out on that. Um, according, when we're doing this recording, we've only got one weekend before uh, Friday the 29th. So if you are listening to this in the run-up in closing days before the 29th of August, my suggestion would be if you felt that there is a possibility you had PPI claim, then just put a PPI complaint in, which actually is step four, which is the next step. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. So, it, I mean, relatively then, that's, that's all sounding quite simple. It's just a case, as, as, as you've said, and as you always say, of getting that organization in and, and making sure you're getting this done. This is a, I mean, this has been going on for years, but it's a really easy thing, as your story earlier highlighted perfectly. It's a really easy thing to just let, just and let slip and suddenly it's too late. Absolutely. You know, it's, it, 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 it's really important that if this is important to you, that you really then say, right, okay, now I must make time for this because you have a deadline and we've had plenty of notice for this guys, but we've had a deadline and that deadline is fast approaching. So to put the complaint in, um, the easiest way is, but is certainly to use a company called Resolver. Resolver.co.uk has been set up. It's a non -for, not for profit company. Um, and it is funded by the uh, institutions that pay the compensation, actually. So it's a straightforward way of you placing a complaint. And when you use Resolver, they will then help you and track you your, track your complaint through. Admittedly, it's an automated process. They don't give you any, um, they're not going to start challenging your complaint for you. There's not people there fighting your side. It's really just an organization system, a process that really does support you. It's, it's a great system. It's very, very good. So you can 
put the complaint in yourself. So for example, you might be listening to this on the 27th of August and think, well, actually, I don't have time for an inquiry and response. I'm going to write to my bank. I'm going to write to my credit card, da, 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 and I'm going to place these complaints myself. I'm going to write off. Um, and again, there is information on how to do that on the FCA website. And we'll put links in the show notes. Um, alternatively, you could go to resolver.co.uk and you could type in the institution there, find the details, and you can place the complaint through them. And they then send you these little email reminders to say follow up. Because it's not the compensation or the payment or the complaint doesn't need to be settled by the 29th. Okay. You just need to have placed your complaint by the 29th. Okay. So that's the important thing to write. Because quite often these things will take several weeks. Um, and you could be looking right into what September, October, maybe later before it's all settled. And that's why having a system like Resolver to track it and follow it up. And bear in mind, I'm certainly not the only person talking about this. Everybody is going to be thinking about it. And most of us in our life are pressure prompted, aren't we? We wait until there's an urgent event that needs, to, needs our attention. And then we deal with it. Because there are so many other things taking our attention these days. Um, so you know, you're not on your own. If you listen to this thinking, oh, I haven't done it yet. I'm, I'm terrible. Again, don't beat yourself up. Just, hey. Schedule some time, cancel some arrangements if you need to, because you potentially could be looking at hundreds and possibly thousands of pounds of compensation. Nikki, my wife, told me the other day that the biggest one, um, I think, was £250,000. I, I, wow. I, I, I'm not even going to go anywhere near there. You know, I'm not even going to suggest that that's even possible, although apparently it is. Um, but hey, wouldn't it be nice to have a few extra hundred pounds, maybe a few extra thousand pounds, if you think you were genuinely inappropriately advised to take out or missold, should I say not even advised, but missold the PPI insurance. I think if you knew you were going to take it out and you wanted it because it met your requirements at the time, morally and ethically, we shouldn't be putting a claim in because we asked for it. But um, as in my case, it's a classic example. I didn't even understand what PPI was. Why would I really want it? Why did I need it? Um, I was employed at the time. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, I, go to you. Well, I was just going to say, you, you, wouldn't be, you wouldn't be the money planner, and, and I want to be, be brief with it, but let's fast forward a little bit. Suppose we're successful and, and we get a little bit of a payout, maybe 500 quid, maybe 5,000 pounds. Yeah. What, what, what should we do with that? Okay, so hey, do you know what? it's interesting, isn't it? I think logically and in, intellectually, I say to you, hey, make sure we secure our, our emergency cash and let's pay off our unsecured debt. So if we've got no money in the bank, let's put at least £1,000 into premium bonds so it's out of arm's reach and let's use the rest to reduce our debt. Um, what I would probably say is because it is possibly an unexpected windfall, maybe take 10 or 20% of the money and just give it yourself as a reward for doing this is a bit of a reward to say, hey, well done you, I put this effort in, but I'm being intelligent with this money, I'm taking 10 or 20% of it, I'm gonna go and spend it on myself on something that I want, whether it's a meal out, whether it's a new outfit, whether it's a holiday, who knows how much you're gonna potentially receive. But we're gonna take the bulk of it and we're gonna make sure that there's some money in the bank or in premium bonds which out of your arm's reach. So if things go wrong, I can rely on that, that's there to help me out, and I'm gonna take the rest of it and I'm gonna pay off my smallest balance first, and, Google uh, on my website uh, the Snowball Debt Repayment Plan, and it explains you how we repay debts, but spell the smallest debt first and then 
chip away at the other ones. But yeah, I think that would be a fair and reasonable way of doing it. Um, you know, it'd be, it'd be a bit righteous for me to sit here and say, oh, put it all on your emergency fund, put it all on your own secure debt. Yeah, technically that's the best thing to do. But if you're, if you're, if you're on hard times and things are sort of against you a little bit in the moment, being sensible, paying a bit to yourself, put a bit for the future, paying down your debt is going to go a long way. It's going to make you feel good. And that's what we're all ultimately trying to do. We're old, every decision we do is trying to make you feel better, feel happier. The happier you feel, the better decisions you make, the more you impact other people around you, life just gets a little bit easier. Yeah, I think that's a good point as well, because for, for some, if you, if you are trying to follow the money plan and you are trying to set your financial foundations and that emergency reserve of £1,000, it may be taking you a long time to save up. You may be really struggling to even make a dent in it. This way, you can still have some money for yourself, but this could, if you, if you get enough, this could cover your emergency reserve with money that you didn't know you had anyway. So it's just a nice way of having that, that buffer, that comfort zone. Yeah, de definitely, definitely. And hey, I hate to say it, but don't forget, guys, we are pretty much by the time this gets sorted, certainly by the time it's paid, September, October, November, we'll be looking at presents for Christmas. And Christmas is typically an expensive time of year for people. So, you know, organization, forward planning, definitely cover your emergency fund, cover any debts you've got outstanding. But if you think you're going to be going into debt for Christmas, start saving now and putting money aside. And if you've got a little bit of a windfall, you might say, well, actually, I'm going to spend 5 or 10% on myself. I'm going to put 5 or 10% away, and that'll be earmarked for the children's Christmas presents, which I can slowly start getting now. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, so I, I think that, that covers off PPI nicely. And I know a uh, couple of other things to discuss just briefly. Um, lots of A-level results out this week. Yeah. GCSE results coming up. It, it's student time for a lot of people. Student time. You know, it's, uh, and you know what, if, if you are a student or if you're a parent of a student, congratulations. You know, it's not what grade you've got. You did those, did that study. You went through that course two, maybe three years for some of you. You sat those onerous exams. And let's face it, they are onerous. I've sat them myself and I've sat other exams. And I don't understand why exams have to be so long. Um, <laughs> but well done you you did it you survived you're a winner um, and that doesn't that's not depending on the grades you've got I actually can't remember my own grades um, they weren't particularly spectacular um, put it this way I don't think my parents had a party for me to celebrate um, I didn't go off to university myself uh, straight away I didn't go off into a degree I was working um, and I, I, did, I worked my way through and I did professional qualifications. And I, when I was working, I then went off and did a master's degree. So the reason I share that with you is not to say that is the right course, but you can become financially successful by making the right decisions. And it doesn't mean you have to go off to university. I think university has a number of benefits, lots and lots of benefits. You come out with a degree, you widen your horizons, Let's face it, you have a pretty good time for three years, um, but it carries a burden. And that burden is roughly 30 or so thousand pounds worth of debt. And that will depend on how much you work. It will depend on what your family situation is, whether you get the, uh, the grants and things like that. But I did a, um, a student guide last year, which just recently updated, and we have a student cash flow, which covers you 36 months through university. Um, and it has some ex, um, anticipated earnings through university time, through term time, 
and through um, holiday periods. So it goes up through holiday periods um, and it works on the grants. But you can manipulate the figures to suit your specific situation and you can calculate how much, let's face it, how much debt you will come out with at the end of it. Um, and that's okay if you're aware of it, if you know you're doing it intentionally and you have a strategy for it. And let's face it, we don't pay that debt off until we earn over 25,000. So a, a, a reasonable income, but let's face it, if you're going off to university, one would hope you're gonna have aspirations to earn more than 25,000. So you start paying that off when you earn over, it's 25,000 and some hundred pounds. Um, so congratulations for your exams. Um, well done, you're a winner. If you go off to university, good luck, do it intentionally. Make sure you, you budget your money very sensibly. Um, go to my website, warrantshoot.com. I've got the um, student guide. I think it's on the homepage at the moment. Um, you can download along with the spreadsheet, and it does help you through uh, the journey as well. And we've got the GCSEs coming out, I think, next week, I believe. So the younger children are getting their GCSEs. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, again, don't worry about it. You've done the best you can, okay? It's not all um, about the exam results you get. It's about how hard you work, I believe. So, um, and there's a blog post on my website about your first pacing. So whether you're doing part-time work, whether you're going into an apprenticeship role or what have you, um, there's a blog post on there. It just talks about um, your pacing, what deductions you might see, national insurance, tax, um, pensions, whether you get enrolled in the pension or not. Um, and the reason I wanted to raise this is two things. One, that if you are going into work and you're a low earner, your employer doesn't have to automatically enroll you into the pension scheme. And the reason for that is if you're below 22 or you're a low earner, you don't qualify for automatic enrollment, okay? You have to be above uh, 22 or older and have to earn, um, I think it's 12,000 pounds a year. Now, that doesn't exclude you from joining though. If you say to your employer or your HR department, I would like to join this, they have to automatically enroll you. And there's a couple of criteria of whether they have to contribute or not. It's not for this video. It's on the blog post. So it explains it to you at warrantyou.com. So if that is you, go there, read it, and you'll know. But please join the pension scheme. And this is the, this is the thing. If you contribute, guys, one pound per day from age 17 to age 65, Okay, so that's one pound per day. So we're talking 30 pounds a month from age 17 to 65. And just keep that in line with inflation. Don't make any big contributions to it. Just keep it in line with inflation. You will have, or you should have, an estimated 300,000 pounds at 65. Now, let's put that in perspective. That 300,000 pounds is approximately, let's say roughly 10 times the average pension fund in the UK. That is massive, okay? The reality of you paying £30 a month from 17 to 65, not realistic. When you start working, yeah, £30, that's probably a good chunk of what you earn and you'll be very disciplined and motivated to do that. And while you don't have rent and mortgage or big rent and mortgage and bills, it's probably a smart thing to do with some of your money. As you get older, you'll earn more money. You'll contribute more money. You might come into a little bit more money and you can add to it. It would not be unreasonable to expect you to achieve a million pound pension fund by 65. You have, if you're listening to this, you're a youngster, you have one thing that all the grown-ups don't have, and that is more time. And it's time that is your friend when you're investing. The earlier you start, the wealthier you'll be at the end. Um, so yeah, join your pension scheme. If you're not automatically joined, please go to your employer and say, I would like to join. 
I believe they would look at I would look at an employee doing that and I would worship them. I think, wow, what a diligent young person, really want to take care of their future. They're obviously smart. They're obviously going to do well. I'm going to make sure I keep an eye on them because they might do well in my company. Is that okay? All right, good stuff. Yeah, nice, nice roundup. Cool. Okay, and just finally, let me just round up. Don't forget, 21st of September, uh, Bloomsbury, uh, Holly and Bloomsbury in London have got the Money Plan Workshop. This is not a seminar where I'll be talking like this. This will be down, nitty-gritty, getting stuff done, completely comp compelling vision so we know what your outcome is. We'll make sure we get you organized with your bank account system. If you've got children, get your pocket money sorted out. We'll look at income and expenditure on a personal level. So we're not doing this on a group level. It's definitely on a personal level. Information will not be shared between other people, um, but you will get some one-on-one -on -time, one -on time with me. And then we'll go through the foundations and get you through the uh, five steps. So 21st September, if, it's up, if you're interested, um, go online and book. If you can't make that date, would like a future date, email me, message me, because then I can then start understanding um, how many people would like to do it and I can put future dates on. Great. All right, great stuff. Good, good, good. Have a great day, Paul. You enjoy your weekend. Thanks, Ryan. You too. Bye. Hey, guys. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.